Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big, the handsome one that stands right in the middle. That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast. You are locked and loaded on the Music Mania Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcaster. We roll tonight to the guitar bite. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest. Featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Look at this. Hey. Dudes. Well, I'll tell you this, guys. Eight years ago, if you'd have told me that this group of people right here would be in the same interview <laughs> on a thing called Zoom, I wouldn't I wouldn't have believed it. Drew, great to see you again, man. David. You too, Clint. I've talked to David like five times since I have you, though. That's another crazy deal. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah, it's good to see you, Clint. It's been a while, man. It has, man. Um, guys, this is such a pleasure. I uh, hope everybody's 20, uh, 21's off to a good start. I couldn't say the same for me. I'm back from the Super Bowl covering the Chiefs losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it was 80 degrees there. It's zero where I am right now. So, Yeah, same here. It's a snowstorm, snowpocalypse. Everything's closed down today. Yeah, we're Midwesterners, Drew and I. David, not so much. Probably in the dry, nice Arizona weather right now. Everything's going great for you, I assume. It's pretty nice out here. <laughs> Sunny loose guys. I don't feel your pain. I, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a Midwest kid myself. I grew up in Minnesota. You know, and growing up, you know, I didn't mind snow. In fact, I love snow days because that's when you got out of school. I could sit in the basement and practice more bass. And, you know, before I took up the bass, we'd be out tobogganing and snowmobiling and you know doing what we do in the midwest when it snows but now that i know there's a different way um you know these are the days we play golf and you know shoot hoops at the park and do fun stuff like that so well nothing wrong with that um yeah yeah. yeah, you and you can tell with uh with the david's video it's nice and warm looking and then you look at mine it's cold and icy yeah it's cold and icy (laughs) (laughs) yeah vikings all the same (laughs) well uh yeah david's like that in minnesota that's a different level man that's like chains on the tires uh and you know there's no there's no snow days anymore by the way guys there's there's virtual learning days there's no more snow days kids will never know the magic of that ever again i know virtual snow days what is that right it's uh (laughs) you're all going home because it's snowing outside i know that that's like you know they really are disadvantaged with this uh you know like you said a year ago we'd be go zoom yeah zoom Mm -hmm. is like a miniature like recorder that came from a company called zoom you know now there's a (laughs) zoom that we're on every day but you're right i mean you know some some they're going to be disadvantaged there will be no more uh even when school's canceled, now we'll just say, hey, go to your Zoom account. and we'll This it. is, it's awesome because people love the videos, but the, the podcast numbers suffer because it's like, why why would am I going to listen to this when I could see this cool video of David Ellison right here and you've got Drew Fortier right there and, and his hair is growing out. He just looks great, does he not? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's finally grew, it finally grew back out, man. I said <laughs> the same thing to Drew when, when he was, when I saw some cuts from the Dwellers film, I go, dude, I like the new look, man. I like this new Hollywood Drew. He's got this like, <laughs> 
cool cavalier i don't give a shit too tough for the room kind of look <laughs> i like this it's very 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 again cavalier you know i like I it. Love, that's all acting <laughs> well, yeah, the you, George Clooney stuff that was all acting. That's yeah. hey, you guys are involved in some some collaborations here, which is awesome, and I want to get into that because Dwellers, you brought it up, David. It's uh, as a horror buff, as someone that you know, we had you and Tom on a couple months ago. We talked about kind of some of our favorite horror mil horror movies around the Halloween time, but mm -hmm. Dwellers is one that the horror community is, is psyched about. As I understand it, it's it's going through some film festivals right now. What the the word is good from what everything I'm hearing, man. Uh, Drew, kind of start with you. How did this uh, that film kind of come about? Because you've did an, a previous film, I believe it's called Her Name Was Krista. Was that mm -hmm. was that what it's called? And yeah, so, her name was Krista. Yeah. And now this. How did you kind of team up? This is the first film I believe released under David's, uh, you know, Ellison, you know, film company. How did this kind of all come about? Well, uh, it all kind of started. It had its first life as a, a remake of this movie called Chud from the 80s. Me and the guy that wrote Chud got together probably about eight years ago. And I, I've always, for some reason, I love that movie. And uh, I kind of came up with a treatment for it, dude. It's like a found footage remake and all that. And he was like, cool, let's do it. And then I found out that he only owned, after all this time, he only owned uh, the musical rights to Chud. <laughs> and so uh, I kind of had to put that on the back burner. And then... Uh, and then I, uh, what was I doing at the time? I was kind of doing the Zen from Mars thing. That was kind of just going just nowhere. And uh, it's like, you know, I always got to do something, you know, something different. And then and I was thinking, I was like, uh, well, I could probably turn this into something else. And I mean, I could shoot it for nothing and and, uh, and then make something of it. You know, I think it'd be kind of fun. And then I thought I was like, you know, maybe David would be interested in like uh, uh, being a producer on it, uh, expanding to uh, Ellison Films and all that. And uh and it all kind of came together from there and everything just kind of just locked into place and made sense. David, are you a horror guy or is, is Tom more the horror guy? How did you kind of get involved in, in, in the film side of things? And are, are you a big horror fan and, you know, kind of in your own right? Well, those guys are all way more scary than I am. Let's put it. True. That way. <laughs> all right. So, you know, it's funny. I, um, um, and I and I appear at you know a lot of these uh, horror cons. Kind of started comic cons, but I noticed you know the comic con brand kind of trends more towards Star Wars and Marvel and you know a lot of uh, younger kids and families and stuff. But I, what I think I love about the horror conventions is that it really marries well with with uh, heavy metal. And Rob Zombie, of course, probably being the front runner as far as a musical artist who really you know, really brought something to the table <clears throat> with this. And that's why when, when we started talking about Dwellers, it's, you know, probably, what, 2019, I guess, when we 19. kind of started bringing this up. Yeah, and, and it's, um, now, that's what I said to Drew. I said, listen, you know, if I'm going to be going to these conventions, you know, it's, it's great to be invited and sit as a musical celebrity artist, but I'd rather bring something to the table. You know, if I'm coming, let me bring my bass, let me play. You know, if I'm coming to a horror con, let me, let's, let's get the film there. You know, let's bring this there. So... You know, the people at Mad Monster, um, their convention brand, they were, um, I appeared at one here in, in uh, Phoenix back in September, and they really did it right. They were the first one to really reopen with COVID. They had a great traffic pattern of how people needed to flow across the convention floor, limited uh, number of people each day. Um, and it was it was profitable. And so they said, hey, we're going to try Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's what I brought up to him. He said, hey, I've got this film that we're working on, Dwellers. Can we bring it down there? And the organizer, uh, whose name is Eben, was, is very gracious. And, and he, um, 
you know, in fact, he's offered us a, a premiere in Hollywood if we want it. And they said, well, look, let's start at the convention. <laughs> let's see how it goes there. Um, and, and that's where this whole thing is really, you know, branched out to. And, and I've become friends with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the people. Of course, Robert Englund appears a lot of them, a lot of the actors um, and, um, you know, guys that played, you know, Jason from Friday the 13th and, <laughs> you know, all these, all these different people. Uh, you know, I've, I've become buddies with them, you know, appearing at these conventions. So it's, it, it's kind of like when you become a professional musician, it's like, sure, I'm still a Kiss and an Iron Maiden fan. Um, but when you're playing with them and, you know, breaking bread backstage at catering and seeing each other in the hallways, you, you start to kind of look at everybody a bit more as, as a peer, uh, which is kind of a fun place to be. So it's nice now, uh, you know, I grew up on all my you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. But, you know, now it's fun to be coming to these conventions a bit more as a contemporary with them, bringing something to the party. Well, there's always been such a, it's always been such a perfect marriage, heavy metal and, and, and horror movies. And of course, Megadeth uh, had, a, had a song in the movie Shocker, Wes Craven mm -hmm. Shocker back in the day. It's just, it's just always kind of gone so perfectly together. Uh, and, and the film, as I understand it, it's kind of, uh, as, uh, it's a found footage, like you mentioned, Chud, and you kind of mentioned the influences there. But also, you know, if people have seen a movie like, like like the Blair Witch Project, where apparently Drew, you as as I understand it, you playing yourself goes missing, and it's a series of interviews that sort of uncover the horror of maybe what happened to you. Is that kind of? Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a well, pretty much the the the, the way that the, the plot moves forward and is it kind of starts off with the, like interrogation footage with one of the members of the crew. And um, and it kind of you know from there cuts to to me just kind of scrambling together to go to a meeting with David, and, uh, and then as you find out uh, you know with uh, David David plays himself as well and he, he does an, an incredible job and uh, as himself David. yeah tough David with Drew David yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, and so pr pretty much the, what gets the movie going is uh, uh, him and uh, Tom gave me. A bunch of money months prior to get something done as a documentary on the on the missing homeless in a certain part of the country, and I I didn't do a damn thing. Yeah, I, uh, I just kind of took the money and and Typical just kind of got lazy. Yeah, the exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. And so uh, from there, I just kind of scrambled to get together the rest of the crew and uh, try and cobble together a documentary. But as that <clears throat> comes together and we start interviewing the homeless. Uh, the story kind of unfolds of how they kind of uh, started relocated on the ground and they were considered missing. And then, uh, and then the, the, the homeless that, went, that were considered missing actually started going missing underground. And so we end up underground and then uh, that's when the, the monsters happen. Can't wait. Can't wait to see that one guys. Um, David, I don't know if you, do you have any other friends at this point aside from, from Drew and Tom Hazard, because you guys are, you and Drew have also, co-authored a book and there's it's going to be a, a, a series um, called the sledge chronicles rockstar hitman and it is something that i love the concept of this david you've written books before uh you know uh, non-fiction ones <laughs> this is your right, first right. four-way into fiction you've always wanted to do this how did you kind of bring drew into this and again do you do you have any other friends at this point than than tom and, and drew no, I have no friends. All I do is sit in this room right here. I write lyrics, I write songs, I write books, <laughs> conjure up ideas, you know. Uh, yeah, it's funny. As the, uh, as the highway gets broader, the road gets narrower, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes it is that. You know, you, you, get, you get more focused and you get deeper down into your craft because 
in some in some cases the stakes get higher and you don't think about it so much you know as like oh my god I, you know we used to have a saying back in the day it's called platinum paranoia like when you you know you work so hard and finally you get this big hit platinum record how do we follow it up oh my god we got platinum paranoia can we write another song as good as our hit and that's not the case with what we're doing here obviously but we we you know, we we go deep, man. We do some deep dives down into all this stuff that we're creating and, and you know, basically being content creators, really, you know, and, and I love it. I love that our whole world is just being creative. You know, the Rockstar Hitman book came to me when I was in Sao Paulo, Brazil, on a Bass Story solo tour back in December 2019. Um, I, I started writing. I started, you know, just sort of drafting some characters, the initial, uh, the origin of the story. And I, I hit Drew, um, I think the next day I flew down to Buenos Aires, Argentina, and I had a day off. And that's when I, I hit Drew and I said, man, I got this idea. What do you think? And knowing him from Dwellers, that he's got this sick, twisted mind. Like I said, don't let his boyish good looks fool you. Under that hair is a very committed mind. And so I, I said, dude, I think you're going to like this, man. I said, it, we can, to some of it can almost, we can draw from our own experiences autobiographically because we both walked, a, uh, you know, a couple miles in this, this sort of rock star shoes. And, and we both did our time in Hollywood, getting bands, you know, doing our thing, uh, bands off the ground and whatnot. And so, um, you know, I, I thought we would be a good, a good uh, synergy on that and, 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 um, and, and it was great. I mean, Drew sent me what was essentially, I guess, what, the prologue, right? Is that what you mm -hmm. sent me? Oh, yeah, yeah, the prologue. And it ended up becoming the epilogue. And it ended up becoming the epilogue. And he sent it to me. I literally, I was on an airplane. I was taxiing. It was at a little airport. There's two airports in Buenos Aires. One is the big international one, and there's another one in town that that's kind of more of a regional airport. And I was flying over to Uruguay for my show that night. And I'm sitting on the tarmac reading that and I'm texting Drew before the plane takes off before I lose cell service. And I'm just going, holy hell, dude, like, where do you get up? Where do you come up with this stuff? And I was just like, this is awesome. So I mean, literally wheels up and I'm writing the next like two or three chapters on my like on my one hour flight to Uruguay. And I think that's how this stuff happens, man. It's like you just get inspired. And, you know, by the time I came home from South America, you know, a week later, I mean, this book was probably two thirds done. Um, and then I, I placed it over in Drew's lap. I said, all right, dude, time to get out the machete and the, you know, the fucking hatchet and start getting sick here. And he did. And, and, and so, we, you know, we different role. You know, I, I sort of crafted this sort of the, the concept, developed some of the characters, like a kid from the mid, you know, stars in his eyes working to get, you know, gets to Hollywood, the, the big break comes and, of course, he signs this contract with this clandestine agency who he didn't read the fine print of the contract like most young musicians don't, you know. Um, and I think there's some parallels. There's some realistic parallels to all of us that we, we get into these agreements. We get, you know, it's like, well, I just want to be at the dance with, with all the big boys. And so we sign these agreements. We probably shouldn't. And so, you know, while mine wasn't, I didn't have to go out and be a hitman. You know, we definitely you become beholden to these golden handcuffs of these contracts where it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this now, you know? And, you, and at some level, you know, Leonard Skinner had a song when I was growing up uh, called working for MCA. Right. And it was on their live album. I remember one more for the road and uh, working for the MCA. And I was like, that doesn't sound so bad. It sounds kind of good, but you could hear it. And it was like this, Oh, I could hate our record company, you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> and, and I think every, every artist who's made a career of their craft, 
at some point they feel that way. They're like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm, I'm working for the man. I thought I got into rock and roll so I wouldn't have to work for the man. Now I signed an agreement and I'm working for the man. And I think there's a lot of just realistic parallels in the rock star hitman book that I think make it very relatable to almost anybody, whether you work for Capitol Records or you work for, you know, IBM. And MCA, it's funny because Bangtinga was at MCA and they call it the Musician Cemetery of America. <laughs> it's, it's it's proven out over the years, has it not? Uh, for and for maybe you, Skinnerd was onto something. <laughs> I, that's, that, that was in the early days as well. So Drew, for you, yeah. I mean, this this is merely part one in the Sledge Chronicles. So mm -hmm. what where, where do you kind of want to take this twisted tale next? And with the the connections with the Ellison Films, hint hint, could this be something that that finds its way to the screen someday? Oh, I, absolutely. We were definitely hopeful for that, for sure. It's it's, it's definitely written to be, um, you know, uh, it's pretty much screenplay ready, like uh, as, as you read it, you know, and it also reads as like a fictional biography, too. But um, as, as for the next book, uh, uh, David already outlined the whole thing. And uh, it's, uh, it's pretty much uh, just got to go through it and just kind of plant the, the little bit of madness in there and blood and, and gore and, and a bunch of terribleness. And um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people have been saying, like after they read the book, they're like, "Hey, we're looking forward to the Netflix series of this." And uh, I, it could, it could totally, it's definitely episodic too. Like a lot of the situations in the in the book, could, uh, you know, very um, easy to kind of write it out as like an episode. But but uh, yeah, just kind of, it's 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 getting really good traction. Like uh, people really seem to be enjoying it and getting it. And uh, and and so that's uh, that's all you can hope for, really. You know, it's like. A, it's one thing to get it done and feel good about it, but uh, but once you get it done, get it out, and it's uh, you know, seeing it's actually you know you know living life and and uh, and and existing and people enjoying it, you know that's that's a whole different level of uh, of uh, you know satisfaction for sure. Yeah, and I want everybody to go to uh, to Amazon where you can get the the book, you can get the audio version, which mm -hmm. David, I believe you read aloud. So why not? That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, I, I like reading them. Um, I'm told by some that I have a, a soothing voice. So in the you midst do. of Hatchets it's... and Murder, I can be soothed. I can lullaby you to bed in the midst <laughs> of Hitman craziness. Um, but, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's fun for me. I like doing it. I've, I've narrated all my books uh, that I've written. I've, I've gone in the studio and narrated them all. So it's, it's fun to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's, what's fun to read a book in audio is that the way you write um, is very different than how we converse, you know, and I, and we've all seen interviews and I, I cringe when I see them, these guys that they, they take an interview, like probably even this interview here, and then it just gets reprinted in press and it looks terrible. You look like an idiot. You're like, um, yeah, well, kind of like pick nose, <laughs> scratch head here, you know, and they print all that. And it's like, to me, that's not journalism. You know, your job as a journalist is to make a perk that flows, makes people look educated. They, you know, you do poll quotes, like there's a real art to journalism. Um, and, you know, just hitting reprint on Microsoft Word, <laughs> that's not journalism. Um, and, and I find that when, when you're reading your own book, it's kind of the same thing because, you know, the way things have to be written in sentence structure so that it reads properly and that it, that it actually has some proper grammatical uh, flow to it, um, when you read that back, isn't necessarily the way you would talk, you know. So reading audiobooks, I've discovered, is kind of a, 
an art in itself. I've narrated a couple of films for my buddies as well, some biographical, you know, uh, films. The same thing. And then they went down to Sunset Hard. You know, like there's a kind of read in a way that it that it a listener can sort of be in the in the narrative with you. Um, so you know, reading is kind of this third step of first you write it, then you put it in print, and then you read it. So it's it's kind of this whole other next level uh, part of the craft, if you will. Well, Drew, what's this journey kind of been like for you? I mean. You're a young guy. We're like the same age, but yet you've you're out. You know, you play guitar for Bang Tango. Um, you know, you, you do all these things. You make a documentary, and you get uh, you get kind of discovered that way, and get on board to make other documentaries. What has this just kind of journey in life been like for you to from from just kind of scratching and clawing your way to, to to being in a band, to being in a band that's revered from the '80s to just now the associations and the things that you've been able to do and the content you've been able to create. What what's the last ten years been like for you personally? Well, it's, it's, it's been, it's been crazy for sure. And, um, I just, um, I, I never try and, uh, force myself upon anybody. I just kind of just like, you know, to give, if somebody wants to do something with me, I'll do it. You know, it's, it's, it's all good. Like it's, you know, I, 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 it's, I just happened to meet the David at a, a rock, Oklahoma in 2016 when I was playing there with Bang Tango and, and really, uh, it's kind of connected and, um, and I kept in touch and, and then, uh, then here we are a couple years later and, and we, we work very well together you know we, we great collaborators uh together and uh, really enjoy that and it, it's it's been yeah, it's been pretty crazy uh I, you know thinking about all the stuff and that uh i, I ended up doing in the past 10 years I, I try not to think about that though because that's a good question because i never really think about that stuff you know i just kind of just take it as it comes you know and uh i got uh i, I really got no plans with anything that's kind of go with wherever it takes me and, uh, and if it ever decides to stop one day, I'm totally cool with that because I, I, uh, everything after the uh, Bang Tango thing has been an added bonus in, in my life. You know, it's like I just, just kind of just like I just go with, uh, you know, wherever uh, I end up. <laughs> well, what's the last year been like for both of you? Because you're both. You're, you're both musicians. You're both live out on the road. You're both touring so so frequently. Has it been? Helpful in a way, the creativity. I mean, you guys have just been pumping stuff out. I mean, David, you come out with a with a, a covers album called No Cover. Uh, you guys are working on music. You're working on a new Megadeth album, David. I mean, you, the, this book, the movies, like all the has that has it created an opportunity for that, or or is it just been you know, miss touring? This sucks, but having the time to do this stuff. I mean, what, what's it been like for both of you? No, it's, it's mine has actually been very optimistic. Um, <clears throat> I'm running, whether I'm literally running or if I'm, you know, in a pandemic, I'm running in place. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always kind of moving, you know what I mean? Moving forward. And, um, and, you know, it's one thing to just be busy. It's another to be productive. And I think if anything, um, this last year has, has sort of focused that a bit that, you know, it, that it's, you know, kind of, partition the things you're involved in um when things shut down last year you know tom and i got really busy initially with uh, the david allison youth music foundation and by doing the schools out initiative we started giving of our time and tapped a bunch of our other friends to be involved in that donating some of their time for music lessons to kids around the world so first i think giving to others always benefits both them and you uh puts things in perspective you know how good we really have it um, we've got, most of us have luxury problems. We've got first world luxury problems. Um, 
And, you know, then from there, that transitioned over to, uh, you, you know, the no cover record. Um, Drew was working. Uh, in fact, we had a few conversations about kind of getting focused on let's let's get the, the film done. Um, let's, you know, the, the book had kind of been wrapped up. We finished up uh, Rockstar Hitman and said, look, let's get this film dialed. Now, let's be done with this. Let's get this finished up. It's it's almost ready to go. So we kind of put a little you know, process in place to get things done and kind of moved forward, you know, get them up to the starting line so they're ready to go. Um, so last year for me was mostly a, a musical year. Um, you know, Drew and I worked on some music stuff together. I played on a, some other stuff with some other friends when they asked me. This year I feel like music is operating a bit more in the background because um, I'm busy with it. I'm, I'm composing every day. Um, and uh, so it's, it's very productive, but it's not in the foreground. I figure, feel like this year, books and movie are in the foreground. The music is hovering in the background. Last year, the books and movie hovered in the background while the music was out front, right? So to me, they've just kind of flipped roles a little bit. Um, and, um, you know, so it's, it, 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 is, it is productive. And, and um, you know, yeah, look, of course, we all want to be out performing. You know, that's, that's, to me, you know, making records is just, that's what you do. You make the records, you can get out and perform it live because the performance is, you know, that's another payoff. You know, one, like Drew said earlier, one payoff is to, create something and then get it to market. That's, that's a, a payoff. The other one with, with a lot of these things is, is to be there and kind of feel the reaction of it, you know, and, and that's a, a, a cool, cool thing. So look, you know, this calendar for 2021 is anybody's guess as far as live performances. So it, it's good to have these other things going on uh, creatively and keep, keep the process going, you know, despite the touring setbacks. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 pretty, yeah, pretty much the same thing. And uh, if it weren't for uh, uh, David getting the Mad Monster gig, which is happening this weekend, I, I probably wouldn't be done with the movie. You know, to be honest with you, he kind of uh, lit the candle under me a little bit, kind of like he does in the movie. And mm-hmm. so art imitated life a little bit. So that was the, the kind of a jolt I needed to, you know, to to get that done. And then uh, and then uh, 2021 is to uh, working on a Rockstar Hitman book two. And uh, I, I think we're hoping to get that out hopefully by summertime. I think is I, I ideally, I, you know, yeah, probably at the latest. It's, it, uh, it's coming together really quick, and definitely going to out uh, plan to kind of expand upon the first book and you know make it more of a more epic. Because uh, so that's one thing people uh, noted about the first book it, it goes by really quick and it leaves them on and just you know it's a little bit more. So we're gonna we're gonna give them that for sure. And um, and as for uh, everything else. Uh, out of you know like you know me and david we uh we did uh we did music together we did uh, the book we did the movie i guess what's left we got to do a musical or a play or something yeah come on well guys congratulations on everything before i cut you loose i gotta hit you with my uh, final four drum roll four quick questions two for each of you and you give us whatever quick answer comes to mind okay uh, Drew, starting with you, what is the last concert you attended as a fan? Do you remember? Uh, I do. It's, it's probably like, uh, I, I, I don't really go to many concerts, to be honest with you. But, uh, but this was like probably 20, I think it was 2018. And it was, uh, it was the Cult, Stone Temple Pilots, and Bush. And it was awesome. The, the Cult were uh, amazing. Um, 
first song they played was Rain, and as they started playing it, it started raining. It, it, it was like, it was an experience. It, it was that's really cool. That's insane. Uh, that's a great one. Mine's Aerosmith. Last year, Vegas residency Aerosmith. That's how long it's been, a year. It, what's funny about that is that uh, Jerry Kramer, he uh, like hurt himself, and his, yeah. replace, his replacement was uh, uh, Johnny Douglas, who was uh, uh, Kick Tracy's drummer. Yeah, that was the last show. Like The one I saw was the last show before Joey Kramer came back, so he was the drummer. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes, I saw that. Yes, I did. Kick Tracy's drummer. I did. did. I'm a big Kick Tracy fan. Um, David, for you, what is uh, what is the first horror movie you ever remember seeing, like in a theater or a drive-in? And was it was it a date? What? Give us your first horror movie experience at a a drive-in. I think it was probably Alien, if that would qualify, right? And the first one, I was with my brother and two of his buddies, and it was a drive-in down on I-71, Highway 70, not even interstate, it's Highway 71, where it leaves Jackson, Minnesota, where I grew up, goes south down toward, into Iowa. Actually, the movie theater was in Iowa, and um, right at that road that then splits off to go to Spirit Lake, Iowa. And, um, And I seem to remember... Like a storm came up that night too. <laughs> like there was like a tornado coming, and uh, I just remember the alien on the face, man, just freaked me the hell out. And uh, that's yeah, that was a good place to start. That was a good one. Uh, Drew, what are uh, some shows uh, that you've found yourself binge watching on uh, streaming services over the last year? Anything that you got caught up on? Anything that we need to watch? What's what have you been watching? Oh wow. Uh... I, I used to watch TV shows a lot uh, yeah, years ago, and it was uh, usually like Seinfeld and like, uh, <laughs> right, uh, and it, it's always sunny in Philadelphia I, and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, but yeah, thinking about it now, I don't watch too many. It, it's I, for me, it's like too much of a commitment. Like like whenever like my wife brings it up, hey, I want to start watching the show. I'm like, how many seasons are there? You know, like how how invested do I need to get? If there's like under like five seasons, I'm like okay, let, let, let's let's give it a go. Oh oh wait, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai was awesome. I Thank really, you. I really liked- Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah, that, that's, that counts. Um, David, for you, what is the the first album that you remember buying with your old own money or steal or, or that you stole? Either one. Uh, I bought uh, Kiss Destroyer on cassette when I was in Seattle, Washington. I have cousins that live out there, and so my brother and I went out there to see them. We went into a music store. I bought it on cassette, and. Obviously changed my life. Um, Shout it out loud was on the radio that summer, I guess. Was, so this would have been 1976, and um, yeah, I, I basically burned through the cassette. <laughs> you know, well, uh, to the I degree co- that it's still my go-to. Like when I fly and I travel, like I remember I was on the bullet train in Japan a couple years back, just going through the Kiss catalog, comparing all other Kiss songs to Destroyer. You know, what I mean, so that to me is like my, it's my my benchmark. Well, um, uh, clearly you were taken by Beth because it is on your your No Covers album. Clearly that's the one that stood out, though. I, I have to give credit <laughs> to Tom on that because uh, he, you know, we, we talked about Kiss and, you know, some of the obvious. And and I, and I didn't want to do like Judas Priest breaking the law and, and Kiss Cold Gin. And, you know, some of these, these, I call them now the bar standards, right, that we, you know, we get a... You know, no matter how drunk any of your buddies are, you can all get on stage and play a handful of these songs, right? Because they're the new standards, right? And um, and we play them in Metal Allegiance, whatever we do, we we all play them. Um, and Tom, literally, the album was I thought done, and I was sitting on my couch, um, probably binge watching Mad Men or something at that time. I was doing a Netflix binge on something, and he sends it to me on WhatsApp, and I'm like, Oh my God, you're kidding me! 
And I, I got to say, he, he did an amazing job. As we know, Tom's singing style, that's not how he normally sings. Right. right. A tender, tear-jerking ballad is not his, his, has been his, you know, his, his go-to embouchure, if you will. And, um, and I got to say, it was awesome. And Tyson Leslie, uh, who plays keyboards for Vixen. Yeah, I know him, yeah. Yeah, he's a good friend of ours. He's a city he guy, out, yeah. Yeah, he leaned out all the keyboards and piano and... And it was just, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I gotta say, it's, it's, it's a bit of a turd jerker, even for me. And what's, what I find funny about it is, of course, I grew up on the uh, Destroyer version. Tom informed me that there was a Eric Carr version on Smashes, Trashes, and Hits, whatever that record was. Yep. And I, I'm not an 80s Kiss guy, so I wouldn't know that. I, I, I didn't even buy Dynasty. I stopped after Kiss Alive 2. That was it. That was the end of my my kissdom, if you will. And, and so I was unaware of that. So it was kind of interesting that Tom sort of his sort of, you know, kind of leanings of the melody and, and that were, were the Eric Carr version. So, Hey, even as a kiss fan, I learned something new by Tom. We've got to, we've got to come back and do it and and do some eighties kiss and lightning for you, David, because I've had enough into the fire is a badass song. Drew. Yes. Come on. I like, uh, you know what, to be honest with you, I, I recently just dove into Kiss for the first time ever because I, this past what? summer. What yeah, world yeah. am I living in right now, guys? I, I what world yeah. is the- He's so young, he missed the whole thing. You know? Wait, so you say into, into the Fire, I think, Dokken. Was there a Kiss song called Into the Fire? It's on, um, it's on Asylum. I've had enough in parentheses Into the Fire. It's a different. Yeah. It's 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 great stuff, guys. I think docking into the well, fire. That's a good one. And, and to be right. honest, of yeah, I only made it up to. Uh, I made it up to lick it up. Uh, that that's when I I listened to every single album. Up, I got about halfway through lick it up, and I was like, I'm cool. Guys, I'm gonna get you. We we got to get animalized out. We're gonna do a whole thing next time. Uh, there's a, there's a lot more that we can get into. You guys are the best. I'm such a fan of everything you guys do. Thanks for Thank taking you. the time today. Uh, I'm sure we'll do it again soon, guys. Um, stay safe and stay healthy, cool. man. Thank you. See ya. Thank you, Clint.